this is a great day. This, this is Super Bowl Sunday. It's a big day. This is, this, listen, this is not only a big day for football fans. This is a big day for America. An estimated 189 million are going to be tuned in tonight for Super Bowl 50 between the Denver Broncos and the Carolina Panthers. Now, if you were lucky enough to pick up a ticket recently, you would have paid about $5,000 for that ticket. Companies are paying big bucks for a 30-second ad during the Super Bowl. Did you know that a 30-second ad costs $5 million? I tried to get Kavanaugh on, but we just couldn't swing it in our budget, let me tell you. It's a big day, guys. Super Bowl Sunday is the second highest day of food consumption in the calendar year, just behind Thanksgiving, all right? The only other day of the year we eat more food is Thanksgiving. Brands like Lay's and pizza chains such as Domino's and Papa John's are going to sell millions of dollars of food today. Guacamole's become a big hit in the recent years. In fact, in so much that 100 million pounds of the creamy stuff is going to be devoured by fans today. Wow. And if that doesn't blow your mind, it is estimated that 1.3 billion chicken wings are going to be consumed by Americans. And because of that, convenience stores are stocking up on antacids. I'm going to tell you. They figured it out. Uh, antacid sales rise over 20% the night of the Super Bowl and the Monday following that. I'm telling you, today's a big day. Woo! Man, can you feel it, you know? I don't know about you, but I like big days. Are you with me? Do you like big days? I like planning for big days, except for weddings, I, you know, when I'm paying for them, all right? But uh, planning for big days and having big days, I, I say that about weddings. You know, one of the biggest days of my life happened. Oh, I've got it right here. My little monthly diary. Now, I mean, I have kept a diary, a little monthly calendar, my whole ministry. I have these things boxed and put away. But this one right here, I keep in my desk. Top drawer, right side, right in the back. It's my Slim Jim pocket calendar, 1983. Jason, you're wondering why this is so special to me. Well, with a, with a tear in my eye, let me turn to the month of May, 1983. You see that tear? This is going to make you cry right here. May 14th. May 14th. This is what I wrote. Big day. Wrote big day. Best day of my life. 7 p.m., Norman First, Free Will Baptist Church. That's when she said, I do. And we did. And we got married. May 14th, 1983. It's a big day for Will. She was the only one that would have me. But it's a big day for Will, man. 
All three of my kids, I have their day written down in my calendars as well because that was a big day when they were born. I love big days, man. I love having big days at Kavanaugh Church, don't you? I mean, I really do. I love them. I love planning for them. I love executing them. I love seeing them. We are planning a big day coming up just in a few weeks. It's called Easter. That's it. It's going to be, listen, it's going to be a huge day. We're going to do something we've never done before. We always talk about celebrating. Well, this Easter, we're having a party. Okay? It is going to be a party. And guess who the guest of honor is? Jesus Christ, okay? We're going to have so many cool things. You're going to want to invite your friends. It's going to be a big day, but you know what? We try to make every Sunday a big day around here because we love big days. Big days are awesome, aren't they? Let's give it up for big days, right? Come on, with enthusiasm. Woo, man, big days. I'm leading up to a big day. Well, let's read about a big day, all right? There is a big day recorded in history found in Acts chapter 2. In fact, this big day in the Bible was a power-packed day that literally changed history. Now, I've been preaching out of the book of Acts. It's a sermon series I've entitled Unstoppable, Living in the Irresistible Power of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts shows us where everything started for the church. When we open the book of Acts, we are reading our spiritual roots. But this is not just what God did sometime long ago in history. It's what God still wants to do. Through churches and people who have yielded their life to His power and His Holy Spirit. So let's read Acts chapter 2 starting in verse 1. Now, when I start reading this, some of you are going to have one of those aha moments and think, didn't he just preach on this? Well, I did. Back in October of 2015, I did a two-sermon series uh, talking about the church God blesses. Anybody remember that? Okay, three of you did. That's awesome that you do. This is not the same sermon. It's a different sermon, but from the same passage. So let's read it. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come... They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues. That is, they spoke in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem, that is, visiting there, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word. Speak it into our hearts and help us become the people you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now guys, this was a power-packed day. We're going to see what happened around these disciples, what happened in these disciples, and then what happened through them. First of all, let's notice what happened around them. Verse 1 says... When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and they were in one place. 
Pentecost was one of the most important festivals for the Jewish nation. There was Passover, which celebrated Israel's deliverance from Egypt. And it was during Passover that Jesus Christ was crucified as the Lamb of God. He was crucified on the cross, he was buried in the grave, but then he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. And then 50 days after Passover was the day of Pentecost. In fact, the word Pentecost literally means the 50th. Pentecost was a harvest celebration. And we're going to see in just a moment that God, he, he's, he's, God is so cool. Isn't God cool? Can I tell you how cool God is? It's not to do with my sermon. I just got to tell you this. I, I had a roommate at Hillsdale named Kevin. And uh, Kevin and, and uh, uh, Mike Butler and I lived together for a semester. And, and I haven't seen Kevin in years. And for some reason, God has put Kevin on my heart. I've been thinking about Kevin for over the last week. I, I tried to find his number, and I couldn't find it. And I don't know. I, just, I was just kind of needing to see him and talk to him. Hadn't seen him in well over 20 years. It's been 32 years since we graduated. And he's just been on my heart. But you know what? After the first service, this guy comes walking down here to shake my hand. And guess who it is? It's Kevin Daniels, man. I thought, God, man. How cool is this? His daughter's playing volleyball here in Fort Smith over the weekend, and, and he just came to visit the church. And man, I'm just, my heart started leaping because that's my God. God's cool. God does awesome things, man. I thought, well, thank you, Lord. I, wa I wanted to call Kevin, but you just, called, you just brought Kevin to me, man. That, that is pretty cool. So the day of Pentecost was a harvest celebration. But we're going to see at the end of this day of Pentecost, there was another harvest, a spiritual harvest. And 3,000 people were saved. At Pentecost, the Jews celebrated the giving of the law. That is, the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses on Mount Sinai. And we're going to see that on the day they commemorated the giving of the law, they witnessed the giving of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's awesome. Scholars tell us that Pentecost was the best attended of all the festivals in Jerusalem. Thousands upon thousands of people from all over the world descended on the city of Jerusalem for this festive holiday. And we're going to see in just a moment why that is so important. Look at verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Suddenly something happened. Now, these disciples, 120 of them, had been in this upper room for 10 days. Jesus told them to go there and to pray and wait for the Holy Spirit. So they had been there for 10 days. On the 10th day, which was the day of Pentecost, something suddenly happened that was strange and yet very mysterious. The, the disciples knew that Jesus had promised to send the Holy Spirit, but they didn't know when or how He was coming. The only thing they were told is to go and pray and wait. And on that day, three things happened that were just amazing. In fact, they were three phenomena that occurred that are associated with the activity of God throughout the Bible. Hang on to your pew because this is awesome, man. The, the first thing is this. Something like a hurricane force wind from heaven blew through that room. It just woof, went through the room. It sounded like... 
a hurricane. It was a wind from God. In fact, the word wind that is used there is also the word for spirit, as in the Holy Spirit. And that's who was coming, all right? In fact, Jesus said in John 3 that the Holy Spirit is like wind. You can't see the wind, but you can see things being moved by the wind. You can't see the Holy Spirit, but I guarantee you, you can see the Holy Spirit at work when he moves in a person's life. So the first thing that happened is, woo! Everybody I read likens it to a hurricane force wind. I liken it to a good old West Texas wind. I mean, it was, it was howling, all right? Then verse number three, there appeared to them these divided tongues as of fire. And one set upon each one of them. So the second phenomenon was something like tongues of fire. Now in the Old Testament, fire is often associated with the activity of God. In fact, when God led the Israelites out of Egyptian captivity and they were wandering in the desert for 40 years, He led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And when those clouds stopped, the people stopped. When the clouds moved the people moved and apparently what happens here as best as Luke can describe it was like this giant flame of fire coming into this room and then that giant flame of fire separated into 120 smaller flames of fire and when you looked at them it looked like a tongue of fire and it just kind of hovered over each one's head I mean I just can't imagine this. I'm thinking, man, that, that would be exciting to look out there and say, Jason, dude, you got some fire over your head. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of wishing God would put some fire in your bellies is what I'm... What I'm it, it was awesome. But notice this. This is the cool thing. Something happened to each one of them. The, the scripture is specific. Over each person's head, there was a tongue or a flame of fire. But then a third miraculous thing happened in verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now church, we're going to see that this is a miracle of people being able to speak in a foreign language that they did not previously know or even had ever studied. It's kind of like all of a sudden today, you being able to speak Chinese, and you've never studied Chinese. You don't know any Chinese, but all of a sudden out of your mouth is flowing the Chinese language. Man, wouldn't that be something? And we're also going to see in a moment why they were given this ability. So hang on to that. Why this happened. But, but let me ask a question. Why is God doing this? I mean, why in the world is God setting off all of these supernatural fireworks? And that's what he's doing. This is it's a big day. A huge wind. Flames of fire. People being able to speak languages they had never studied. Dude, listen. That is something, is it not? So why is God setting off all these supernatural fireworks? Well, I'll tell you why. He was doing a new thing. God was doing something new. He is the author of doing new things. 
He likes to change lives into new lives. God's always doing something new. Now, I know that's a push for some of y'all because y'all don't like new things. Y'all like the, y'all, even you younger guys, some of you, just the, give me the same old thing, but don't change anything. I want, but God's always doing something new. In fact, the Holy Spirit was coming to take up residence in the lives of believers for the first time. God was starting the very first church. A new age is dawning. So let me tell you, it had to be big. It had to be noticed. It's kind of like when there's an election and we, we get a new president. Now it could just happen that one man moves out of the White House and another man moves into the White House and it's no big deal. Nobody ever notices it. I mean, it could be that a U-Haul pulls up, loads up, takes off, another U-Haul pulls in. Just like at the Baptist church, you know, every four years. But it could be like that. But no, it's a big deal when we get a new president. It's a huge change. There, there needs to be something done publicly to demonstrate this change. And so we as a, a nation have a huge celebration called the inauguration. Well, let me tell you something, church. That's what's happening at Pentecost. It is the inauguration of a new age. This is the age of the Holy Spirit. It's the age of the church. And it all started at Pentecost. So this was happening all around these believers. But number two, notice what's happening in them. Verse 4 says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, listen to me. The life to which Jesus calls his followers is a life that is impossible to live on your own. The only way you can live the Christian life is with the help of the Spirit of God. It's the only way it can be done. In fact, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. In other words, before we meet Jesus, we are dead on the inside. The Bible is specific about that. You are dead in your trespasses and in your sins. Okay, I know you're still breathing, your heart's still beating, you're still talking, you're still moving, but you are a corpse on the inside. Without Jesus, you are dead. And what happens when you invite Jesus into your life is that he comes to live inside of us and he gives us new life. That's why we say we are born again. New life in Jesus Christ. Before we have Jesus, we have no understanding of the deep things in life. No understanding of the spiritual life. We don't have any understanding without the spirit of truth living inside of us. We have no holiness without the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of us. We have no effectiveness in our witness without the power of the Holy Spirit Enabling us to speak the truths of God. And we have no connection with other believers. Until the spirit of unity comes into our heart. Drawing us close to other Christians. Do you remember when Jesus talked about this new life? He said that the spirit of God had been with men. But when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be in men. There's a huge difference there. Before the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit would come upon people and enable them to do certain things. 
But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit moved in. He moved into people's lives. And that's what's happening here in Acts chapter 2. Almighty God is coming to dwell within His people by His Spirit. And I want you to know it happened to all of them. 120 of them. All of them received the Holy Spirit. Not just a super spiritual few. All of them. Every one of them. And all this happened to show that from that point on, whenever a person is saved, they are given the Holy Spirit. Listen to me, guys. At the same time, when you're saved, you're given the Spirit. You're filled with the Spirit of God. There is a one-time gift of the Holy Spirit that happens when we get saved. So if you're saved, you've got the Spirit of God inside of you. You're filled with the Spirit of God. Now, like I've said in the last several sermons, you know what it's like? It's like uh, last night we had to go and put gas in Zane's truck because he had burned it all out going back and forth from Greenwood. So now I'm putting gas in three vehicles, you know? But that happens. You drive a vehicle, you're going to run it out of gas. You've got to refuel it. And so it is in the spiritual life. I was filled with the Spirit of God when I was six years old and I got saved. But almost every day since then, I have needed a refueling of the Spirit of God in my life. And you do too. So something happened around them. Something happened in them. But lastly, I want you to know what happened through them. Something happened through them. Verse 4 says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. So... So what we have here is this. They were enabled to do something that they had never been able to do before with the help of the Holy Spirit. Ordinary people were suddenly able to do extraordinary things. Now, this is signaling to us that that one of the reasons the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us is to enable us to do something we can't do on our own. And that is to serve God to live for God, and to be a witness for God in a supernatural way. We need the enabling of the Holy Spirit in order for us to be an effective witness and an effective servant. And that is exactly what Jesus was talking about back in chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Remember, church, God is on this unstoppable quest. God is on this amazing, unstoppable mission to get the good news of the gospel to the nations of the world. And it is apparent from the very beginning that this is what God had in mind when he fills the followers of Jesus with his Holy Spirit. it I mean that's why listen that's why we're still here I mean sometimes I think God why didn't you just zap me up to heaven when I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior and get me out of this mess he's got a purpose for us you've got a reason for still being here and that is to be his witness we're real selfish you know we think you know we think we are here for God to bless us And to be good to us. No, we are still here for his ambassador. We are still here to be his witness. 
He is empowering us to be a witness for him. That's what the day of Pentecost is all about. Notice what it says about this day in verse 5. There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. The word dwelling there means they were visiting there. Literally thousands upon thousands of people who lived in the far corners of the world descended upon Jerusalem for this holiday. Verse 6 says, And when this sound occurred, when they heard this mighty rushing wind, the multitude came together and they were confused. Why? Because everyone heard these disciples speak in their own language. This is amazing. What we see here is God orchestrating this phenomenal event. At the same time that God has filled these believers with his spirit and power, God has drawn together this huge crowd of people from all over the world who need to hear what these believers have to say. But wait, wait, they can't hear. There's a language barrier. That's no big deal for God. He's got a way to fix that problem. He just gave his believers the ability to speak in all of these languages. Verse 7 says, they were all amazed. These, these, these guests, these travelers were all amazed. They marveled, saying to one another, look, are not these who speak just Galileans? How do they do this, man? In fact, in verse 6 it says they were confused with all of this. In verse 7 it says they were amazed. And down in verse 12 it tells us that they were perplexed. They didn't know what to think about this. Here were ordinary people, just Galileans, who had been enabled by God to do something extraordinary. It was downright amazing. The reason the Holy Spirit came upon them was to fulfill God's un stoppable quest that's the reason the holy spirit comes on us for us to do the same thing verse 8 tells us they said and how is it that we hear each one of our own language in, in which we were born and then in verses 9 through 11 it kind of gives us a roll call of all the nations that were represented there i'm just going to read it for you it says how is it we hear each one in our own language in which we were born parthians medes Elamites, dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pergia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya, joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own languages the wonderful works of God. Guys, that's amazing. That's, that is mind-boggling. These people had come from all over the world for the day of Pentecost. Remember, God is on this unstoppable quest to take the gospel to the nations. And he's going to start by bringing the nations to the gospel. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, for some of you all, that raises a question. The question is, every time somebody is saved and receives the Holy Spirit... Do they speak in languages like this? Because I never did that. And the answer is no. This is something unusual that God did at Pentecost. But what is supposed to happen when a person is saved and given the Holy Spirit is that they become bold in their witness. Okay, here's what's happening. We read this and we, we just can't process it. We start freaking out. 
we get all wrapped up in the fact that they were able to speak these languages they had never learned. And that is a miracle. But the bigger thing is not the way the message was communicated. The big thing is the content of the message they were communicating. They were telling them the wonderful things of God. They were witnessing to them about the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's happening. That's what we need to focus on. That's our job. The content of the message. However we get it out is secondary. The important thing is that we're doing it, that we're sharing. Again, here are ordinary people who have been enabled to do something extraordinary for the glory of God. It's all about the mission. God is forming His church because He has a mission to declare His glory among the nations. And it all started right here in Acts chapter 2. Verse 12 tells us, So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to to each other, Whatever could this mean? What does this mean? The next verse says, Others were mocking, saying, Oh, these guys are just drunk. (laughs) That's that, and you know what? Sometimes that's the way the world looks at us, like we're crazy, you know? But some were asking an important question. What does this mean? And I really think that is a great way for us to shut things down today. Because I noticed 10 minutes ago, some of you already shut it down, right? We're going to officially shut it down right now. What does this mean? I mean, what does this mean for us? Quickly, four things. It means that we have a new presence inside of us. This is the Spirit of God coming to live in us. Where you go, He goes. You're never alone. Jesus is living out His life in you and through you. This is awesome, guys. Because now when we accept Christ, God moves inside of us. The Holy Spirit lives and dwells inside of us. There is a new presence in us. That is amazing. What does this mean? Number two, we have a new power within us when Jesus comes to live in us by his Holy Spirit we are enabled to live the life that we could have never lived without his power we are able to live a life of godliness and holiness now that I have the Holy Spirit's power inside of me I am more than an overcomer that's the power of God number three it means that we have a new purpose Remember that the Holy Spirit is not just given for our enjoyment. The Holy Spirit was given for our employment in the mission of God. His purpose now becomes our purpose. Listen to me. Listen to me. That's why this church has to grow. We've got to grow. Oh, preacher, all you're about is nickels and noses. No, I'm about people. I'm about people meeting Jesus. And we have been called to this place and this time to reach as many people as we can for Jesus Christ. People matter to God. They better matter to us. His purpose becomes our purpose. We're going to build a bigger church. We're going to add new parking places. Why? Because we want to reach people for Jesus. I pound on you every week to be an effective witness. Why? Because you need to be reaching people within your sphere of influence. There are people God has placed in your life that only you can reach. And if you don't reach them, they're not going to be reached. It's important. 
His purpose becomes our purpose. Then finally, number four, we have new partners beside us. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, He establishes this network connection between all believers. So there is a connection between all the believers in this church. It's the Holy Spirit. He connects us together. So we're partners. We're partners in ministry. This is the story of the church as it was birthed and the unstoppable life that we have been called to live. If the book of Acts is volume 1, then we are volume 21. Because we are the acts of the people of God. Our lives matter. This church matters. You matter. This day matters. And did I tell you, this is a big day. Woo, man, this is a big day. You know what, this is a big day for Peyton Manning. I've, I've really enjoyed watching Peyton through his career. I enjoyed watching his daddy. I'm not going to say I enjoy watching his brother because he's a, an opponent of ours, but I really do like Peyton. Man, isn't he a great guy? He makes some great commercials, doesn't he? Come on, loosen up. He's, a, he's an awesome guy. You know what, I really think deep down inside, Peyton Manning is just a good guy. He's a good guy. And I want him to have a big day. You know, he's kind of at the end of his career. This may be his last game. Uh, you know, he's not nearly as strong as he used to be. I've heard, I've heard it described, he's got a noodle arm now, you know. His passes are not tight, and, 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 and they just kind of wobble. And he can't run and knock people over. He's just kind of, you know. He, I heard him in an interview this past week. He said, they asked him about his seven-yard run. He said, seven yards? I felt like I ran 50, <laughs> you know. And I can relate with that, man. You know what? It's going to be a big day for Peyton, and I hope Peyton does good. It, okay? You know? Cool. It's going to be a big day for Cam Newton. And I think, let me tell you something. Cam's cool. I mean, Cam. Cam is cool. I, I wished I had his teeth and his smile, man. I really think we'd already be running a thousand people if I just had his teeth and smile, you know? I mean, everybody loves him. He's bigger than life. And I mean, he is a freight train. If you try to stop him, you're going to feel it, man. He throws tight spirals. He's a great athlete. And you know what? I hope Cam has a big day. I hope it's a big day for both of these guys. But you know what? More than that, look at me. I hope this is a big day for you. I hope this is your big day. And it can be. It can be. It can be a day. It can be a day that you write down in your calendar. February 7th, 2016. Big day. Best day of my life. If you committed all to Jesus Christ. Just give him everything. I mean, let me tell you something. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you just like you are. I don't care where you've been, what you've done, who you've been around, what you've been through. God loves you. Second thing I know about you is God's got a perfect plan for your life. And the greatest thing you can do is figure out God's good, acceptable, and perfect will and start living it. So would you let this day be your best day? Let this day be a big day as you come to Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help everyone in this room 
to see themselves as you see them. And I pray that each one of us would open up our hearts and hear what you have to say to us. Lord, there are people in this room that need to come and be saved. And I pray that they would make that move today. There are others who just need to come and, and, you know, just give you everything and try to stop living life on their own and let you live it through them. Many of us have problems that we don't know the answer to and we can't figure out. May we come today and simply give you that part of our life. Love you, Lord. I just ask that your spirit fill this place and that you do something amazing. You've done it before. I pray that you do it again right here, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Praise team's going to sing.